0: What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Monday, the 25th of January, and we're brought to you by EPLIndex.com, an association representing sponsor Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a home and giftware company based in Scotland, shipping worldwide. Check out all their products at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, boys and girls, we have real news this morning. Real news, something to talk about, not just games. Frank Lampard has been sacked as manager of Chelsea. Matt Law broke the news this morning that they were planning to sack him today. The Athletic followed that up as uh, Rafa Honigstein broke the news that Thomas Tuchel was expected to replace him. It was clear that the Athletic knew this news was coming as they had very much a long-form piece ready to go as to why Frank was sacked. Chelsea have confirmed in the last half hour that Lampard has been dismissed, halfway through a three-year contract. This has brought people out in support of Frank. It's brought many more people out to say it's about the right time for him to go. So I thought what I'd do is we'd have a quick look at things and and see where the, the lay of the land is. So Lampard obviously appointed Chelsea manager in the summer of 2019, the summer where they had a transfer embargo, where Eden Hazard had left, and there were some doubts over the future of the club. It was clear at the time that he was appointed because they couldn't get a better option. There was nobody available at that point who they felt could take them in the direction they want to, or there was nobody willing to take the job at that point, with no transfers available, with Hazard out the door, and perhaps with their history towards managers, and we'll get into that. Lampard had had one season at Derby, somewhat successful season. He'd gotten them to the playoff final, knocked out Marcelo Bielsa's leads along the way. But in truth, he hadn't earned this job. He hadn't earned the Derby job either. He got that job because Harry Redknapp, who's his godfather or his uncle, called Mel Morris, the owner of Derby, who Harry Redknapp is close friends with, and told him to give Frank the job. He did okay there. He did okay. But he didn't do enough to earn one of the premier jobs in European football. And that's what Chelsea is. It's one of the premier jobs in European football. They're a big six club. They've had incredible success over the last 25 years. You know, when you think of the Cups that they won in the 90s under Viali, Hullet, etc. Then into the Roman Abramovich era. They've been incredibly consistent in how much they've won. There's obviously an awful lot of money to spend there, and it's a London-based job. And that's always going to be a factor, regardless of whether people want to accept it or not. There's an enormous pull to London, especially for people who aren't from the UK. If you're from Manchester, you're probably very, very happy to live and work in Manchester. London maybe doesn't hold that same appeal to you. But if you're from Berlin or Naples or wherever, if you're offered two jobs in England and one of them is London, you will probably take the London job. If everything else is equal, like you're not going to take the crystal palace job with no offense meant over a man city job. But if it's Chelsea or man city, you might go for Chelsea because they're London based. Lampard got the job because there was nobody better available. And in truth, he had a decent first season. It wasn't a great season. There can be no claims it was a great season. They finished fourth, having finished third the previous season. Their points tally went down. Their goals against went up. They'd won the Europa League the previous season. They won nothing under Frank. They lost the FA Cup final to Arsenal, a game they were heavily favoured to win. They lost 12 games in the Premier League. 12 games in the Premier League out of a 38-game season. That's a lot of football matches to lose. They were knocked out of the EFL Cup by Manchester United in the fourth round. They finished second in a Champions League group with Valencia, Ajax and Lille. Not a very strong group. And then got comprehensively dismissed by Bayern Munich in the Champions League round of 16. Liverpool beat them in the uh, Super Cup final. And all things considered, Frank hadn't done a remarkable job. He'd done well, but he hadn't done a great job. Excuses were made, oh, they didn't have Hazard. That's fair enough. They did have Christian Pulisic, who was the Hazard replacement anyway, because they knew the transfer ban was coming. And they brought Pulisic in in the January, and then loaned him back to Dortmund for six months. He had Mason Mount and Tommy Abraham and Tamori, who the previous manager had not had because they'd been on loan. Frank had had Tamori and Mount with him at Derby. So the idea that he had to work with the squad he inherited it not quite true. He had four new players that the previous manager didn't have. He could have had others. Chelsea had a ton of players out on loan. But he had four new players. Three of them played massive roles for him. Pulisic had some injuries that hampered him. I wouldn't class him as one that had a major role. But starting the season, Tomori was at centre-back and was playing very, very well. And then for some reason found his way out of the team. Tammy Abraham was given the job as the number nine. And then towards the end of the season, found his way out of the team. And then Mason Mount was there consistently, 32 games in the Premier League, 32 starts, I should say, five uh, sub appearances. He was consistently very good for them. So those players played a lot and none of them had played for Sari, And yet Sari had finished third and won the Europa League. This season, things haven't gone very well for Chelsea. They're currently ninth in the Premier League. They've already lost six games in the league. Southampton are one spot below them and have a game in hand. Villa are one spot above them and have two games in hand. Arsenal, who only six weeks ago were being talked about as being in a relegation battle, are two points behind them. So they're right in mid-table and very much staring at the possibility of being in the bottom half of the league. If Southampton were to win their game in hand and Arsenal would continue to to play at the same level they have been of late, there's no question Chelsea would drop below them. So the time is right to move on from Lampard. A 52% win ratio under Abramovich is not acceptable. When we look back at the managers that have worked for, for Roman, the first one obviously was Claudio Ranieri, who was the manager when Roman rocked up and bought the club, his win percentage, 54%. That factors in three non Roman years. He's dismissed after getting top four Marine new arrives 67% win ratio. Top of the wins the league twice. Wins some domestic cups, finishes second, and then gets fired the next year. Avram Grant takes over, 54 games in charge, 67% win percentage. Scalari arrives. This man has won a World Cup as manager of Brazil. 56% win percentage, sacked after 36 games. Gus Hiddink comes in, 73% win ratio as the caretaker. Then they bring in Carlo. Carlo wins a double, has a 61% win percentage, and gets sacked. Wins a double and gets sacked. Vias boas was the hottest name in football. He just won a treble with Porto. Every top club was considering Vias boas Chelsea paid a huge buyout to get him, sacked him after 40 games in charge. 48% win percentage, the only one. In the Roman era. Below Frank. Di Matteo takes over. Wins the Champions League. Is sacked the next November. Six months after winning the Champions League. He's out. 57% win percentage. Rafa Benitez takes over. 58% win percentage. Wins the Europa League. Sacked. Mourinho comes back in. Wins the title. 59% win percentage. Sacked. Gus Hiddink comes back in as a caretaker just to ride them through to the end of the season. And Antonio Conte arrives, wins the title. First season, wins the title. Then the trouble starts with him. They try to sack him. They can't sack him. They won't pay to sack him and his backroom staff. He does get sacked in July 2018, 65% win percentage. Maurizio Sarri takes over. Third place wins the Europa League. Wins 62% of his games, sacked. And then we get Lampard. 84 games in charge, 44 wins, 23 defeats. 52% win ratio. And Gary Lineker and Henry Winter and the rest of the great English defenders are all out this morning saying how ridiculous it is. That Lampard was sacked. He underperformed compared to all those other managers who were also sacked. Except for VS Boas. Every one of them did better at Chelsea as manager than him. And we'll come back to VS Boas. But remember, they spent 13 million to buy him out of his Porto contract. Gave him an enormous guaranteed five-year contract and had to pay off every penny of that to let him go, cost him a fortune. Chelsea have spent well over a hundred million just to sack managers in the Roman era, let alone backroom staffs. Just managers over a hundred million. Mourinho won multiple league titles. Carlo won a double. Di Matteo won the FA Cup and the Champions League. Rafa won the Europa League. Conte won the title and the FA Cup. And Sari won the Europa League. And every one of them got sacked. And the same energy wasn't afforded to them. And I love Gary Lineker. I think he's great at what he does. I like Henry Winter. I think he's one of the finest journalists there is in the game. But if Lampard wasn't English, he wouldn't be getting that that support and energy. Now, the Athletic, as I said, had a long-form piece ready to go this morning as to why things had broken down. A number of the things that were mentioned did not reflect well on Frank. He didn't have a positive relationship with those above him. Peter Cech is the technical director. Apparently, him and Frank had some uh, some friction. Marina is the director, but she's the one that runs the club day to day. Apparently they didn't get on. Now this was the same with Conte. This is not a Frank thing. Let's be clear. Conte apparently butted heads with with Marina all the time, as did Sari. So it's not just a Frank thing. However, you would have thought Frank would have had a better chance at good relationships with them Because he knew them from his playing time. The athletic piece points to a political culture at Chelsea. A culture of entitlement. A culture where players turn on the manager. And we have seen that a number of times. And apparently the players had turned on Frank. Now, it was very clear. Frank calls part of that because he didn't talk to a lot of the players. His communication wasn't there. He spoke to his favoured players, not to many others. He worked back channels to try and get Cesar Azpilicueta out the door. That's the club captain. That's unprecedented. Except it's not at Chelsea. I mentioned Villas-Boas. boas took the Chelsea job on the understanding from Abramovich that he could move on. Drogba, Lampard, and Terry, the big three who had played a key role as the spine of Chelsea's team prior to his arrival, of the title winners under Jose, under Carlo. He wanted to move them on. He was told he could. The players revolted, and they stopped playing for him. Lampard was a big part of that. The players went back channels to, to Roman and got was boas sacked. Lampard should have known that was a possibility here. Lampard helped grow that culture at Chelsea. He is as responsible for it as anybody. Now, the players are different but the senior players at that club have been there a long time, like Azpilicueta. They came into the team while the likes of Terry was still there and that atmosphere and culture was prevalent. And they just carried it on because it was what they walked into. The Athletic piece confirms what I've been saying on this podcast, that the players signed were not the players Frank wanted. He wanted Chilwell, and I said that. He wanted Chilwell. But he wanted Declan Rice, he wanted a different goalkeeper. Apparently the Rice thing became quite a sticking point. The club were concerned about the optics of signing back a player they'd released from their academy for a large sum of money. It didn't seem to bother them when they let Nemanja Matic go in the David Luiz deal and then spent £40 to bring him back. But this is a new Chelsea apparently. It's the same as the old one, but it's a new Chelsea. Lampard pushed and pushed for Rice. He saw him as a holding midfielder who would develop into a centre-back. He wanted a centre-back in. He didn't get either of those things. Havertz and Werner were always opportunistic. They can rewrite history all they want. Everybody knew. Werner was going to Liverpool. Havertz was going to Bayern or Real. And then we got COVID. And that changed the landscape. And only clubs who had owners with very rich pockets, were going to be able to make big, big moves. Roman has very deep pockets and was able to make those moves. But Frank didn't know how to use those players because Frank's not a good enough manager to know how to use them. By all accounts, the players were concerned by the lack of tactical advice they were given, the lack of preparation for games. They were told to go out and express themselves. That's basically telling lads to go out and have a run around, and hoping that the individual talent that you have at your disposal will win you games. This summer they brought in Hakim Ziyech, super talented player. Ben Chilwell, very very good left back. Timo Werner, super talented. Kai Havertz, super talented. Eduard Mendy, a decent. And Thiago Silva was great. Now, he is what he is. He's a 36-year-old centre-back who gets exposed by pace, isn't comfortable against the long ball, and has a little bit of an issue with the physicality of the Premier League. He's fine against the dross. Remember, Chelsea have only one win this season against the team in the top half. That was against West Ham the team in the top half most likely to drop out of it. Lost to Arsenal, lost to Wolves, bottom half teams. The only wins they have against the top 14, West Ham, Leeds and Palace. Frank did an okay job and a job he wasn't ready for. If he wasn't Frank Lampard, he'd never have gotten the job. If he wasn't Frank Lampard, he would have faced much more criticism for the job he's done over the past, well, the past 18 months. Because, again, to go back to where I started, it's Chelsea. It's one of the premier jobs. And if any other manager had come in and taken them backwards the way he did, they wouldn't have been praised for it. They would have been criticised. But his mates in the media, Rio Ferdinand, Gary Neville, those guys protected him. They didn't criticize him. When they did, it was always very polite criticism, very meek criticism. Chelsea are in dreadful form at the moment as I said, ninth in the table, only two wins since their defeat of Leeds on the 5th of December. They beat West Ham 3-0 at home and they beat Fulham 1-0 away. They've lost to Everton, lost to Wolves, lost to Arsenal, lost to City and lost to, um, to Leicester City. And that Leicester game apparently was the straw that broke the camel's back in the immediate aftermath. Roman began... To uh, make phone calls To see who might be available I had said at the time That Thomas Tuchel When, when he was fired from PSG I said this is the next Chelsea manager it Just makes too much sense Now apparently he turned it down The first time he was offered Because he didn't want to jump in mid-season So they went to Ralph Ranić who recently left RB Leipzig where he was the technical director, the director of football, or whatever his role there was. Ranić has been a very good manager in his career, never, never an elite manager. He's more of a big-picture guy. He gets your culture going in the right way. He changes your transfer strategy. What we see from RB Leipzig and Red Bull Salzburg is very much the vision of Ralf Ranić. The playing style is a little bit different, though he does love that high pressing style. So the, those Hassan Houtel, they've come through there in the past. They were very much Ranick type of guys. Not sure Nagelsmann is. Jesse Marsh probably is. Ranick was involved in getting him the uh, the New York Red Bulls job originally. So they went for Ranick. He turned it down because he wasn't interested in a four-month contract. He wanted a permanent position. Their view was, we'll bring him in as manager for four months, get to the end of the season, and then we're going to promote him. They were probably going to make him the director of football and give him an overview of the club. He turned that down. They went back to Tuchel. The other name on the list, allegedly Julian Nagelsmann. He wasn't going to leave Leipzig at this point. Apparently, there was some interest in Brendan Rodgers. That was pushed as one side very quickly. So it does appear that a German manager was very much the order of the day. Now, that is in all likelihood because they signed two of the most promising young German players and Christian Pulisic, who's fluent in German, over the last couple of years. And Havertz hasn't worked. Werner hasn't worked at all. Pulisic has been in and out with injuries. But those three... They're potential superstars. They're wonderful talents. Tuchel taking the job points to those three, obviously becoming very, very important for Chelsea. It points towards a want for a more entertaining style of football. Even when Chelsea were, were winning games comfortably, they were never particularly entertaining. There was a couple of games where Zayic played very well, where they did really light it up and you, you really enjoyed watching them play. But a lot of the football under Frank was, was a slog again, lack of tactical instruction, lack of preparation. Tuchel has obviously had three jobs as a manager. He was at mines for five years Went to Dortmund to replace Klopp. Um did did very well there, didn't win anything, but did very well there, you know, created a, a brilliant attacking team. Mkhitaryan, Kagawa, and Royce behind Obamiang. They were as, as fun a team to watch as you you'll ever find. And obviously he's been at, at Paris Saint-Germain then for a couple of years, won a couple of French titles, got to a Champions League final, and been dismissed this year. Um his win percentage at, at Paris Saint-Germain 74.8% You know, but the standards there are are so very, very high. He wants or the they they want they want a hundred percent. They want to win every game, they don't accept anything below that. At Dortmund, he won 63% of his games. Um he's going to play an attacking brand of football. Now, whether he goes to the 4231 that he played at Mines and Dortmund and gets four attackers in the team and launches his fullbacks forward, he probably would prefer that. He just doesn't have the midfield two to do it. It will be interesting to see whether he goes with that or the 4-3-3 he used at PSG. Now, that to me always seemed like something he was doing to accommodate Neymar and Mbappe and not have to ask them to do any defensive work. He went with, oftentimes, three grafters in midfield and tried to make up for the lack of work from the front three with what was behind them. He'll obviously know Thiago Silva well, having managed him there at PSG for the couple of years. He apparently wanted to keep him, so there's obviously a decent relationship there. That could hold it back, though, because, in truth, they really need to not be relying on 36-year-old centre-back. They've let Tamori go on loan to Milan with an option to buy. That's a mistake. It was a, That was apparently a Lampard-driven mistake as well. Lampard wanted him out in the summer. It, just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Took him on loan to Derby, put him in the team at, at Chelsea, does really well, and then he bins him off and then wants him out the door. Very, very strange. Um It'll be interesting to see what Tuchel will do. He's got incredible talent at his disposal. But there are big holes in that Chelsea team. You wouldn't be in love with the goalkeeping situation. Mendy has done okay, but there's clearly glaring errors to his game. Willie Caballero's 39 years of age. He's had a contract in the summer. He'll probably be moved on. And then there's the Kepa factor, where the man has four years left on his contract after this season. They spent $70 million on him. They're paying him about $8 million a year. Nobody's going to match that money. Nobody's going to give them a fraction of what they paid for him at this point because his confidence is in the toilet. If you saw him at the weekend, he's not the same goalkeeper they signed. And Lampard has played a big part in that. Look, he wasn't great under Sarri. There's, there was issues. He was pretty good up until he had the incident in the League Cup final where he wouldn't come off for the penalty shootout. And then his form dipped and under Lampard it cratered. They're probably going to have to loan him out and hope he can rebuild his confidence and his value elsewhere. But they need a goalkeeper. Mendy's not a starting goalkeeper for a top, top club. At right back, Reese James is, is a very good young right back but he's got holes in his game. Aspilicueta is an experienced leader but he has lost his pace. He's not quite the defender he was. But it's still a solid sit- situation at right back. You would trust that your right back situation doesn't need tampering with. At left back, they brought in Chilwell. Very good going forward. Not the best defensively but Look, you you put it to one side. He's good enough going forward. Um, They have Palmieri and Marcus Alonso there as squad options. Neither of them have really performed all that well in their time at Chelsea. Alonso has a contract that runs till 2023. You're probably not going to sell him at this point. He's 30 years of age. You spent a lot of money to bring him in. You might as well just keep him as your backup left-back. Stylistically, very similar to Chilwell. There's not a there's not a massive gap between them despite what the British media will try and tell you, that's probably your backup left back, and you'd probably love to move Palmieri out the door. At centre back, like a Silva's 36, Zuma has been brilliant this year and was good last year. He's 26. You can build your central defensive pairing around him. Rudiger's 27, out of contract in 2022 had one good season since joining. You probably want to move him on. Andreas Christensen, for the good of his career, needs to move on. He's 24 years of age. He's been in and out of the team. He was scapegoated a couple of times by Lampard. He's a very good ball player. You'd ideally want him next to a next to a Kurt Zuma type who was maybe a little less error-prone or you'd want him playing in a, a lesser team who aren't going to play a, as high a line. But Christensen needs to move on. So Chelsea need to get in two centre-backs. A starter to go with Zuma, and then a backup. And then Thiago is your fourth centre-back that you use in certain situations. Like, in big games where you want to hold a deeper line, you absolutely put Silva in. When you want to play a high line, you can't do it. You just can't. Not in the Premier League. He will get. He, he has been already and will continue to get torn apart when they do that. Um, his contract is out in the summer, but he does either he has an option to extend it or the club do. I think it's him. If the money's big enough, he'll probably stay. But regardless, they need to buy two centre-backs and a goalkeeper just to sort the defence out. In midfield, they've got Jorginho. He's one they need to move on. He He didn't even... Worked properly under Sarri, who was the manager who bought him, who'd used him brilliantly at Napoli. He hasn't settled in the Premier League. He doesn't look anywhere close to the player they thought they were buying. And Golo Kante is 29. He'll turn 30 in March. You'd expect that he'd stick around. But, you know, he's clearly not the player he was a couple of years ago. And maybe it is time for them to look to take whatever offer they can get. They would have got $100 million from him if they'd sold him two years ago, but they were stubborn and held on. Now he's had a couple more injuries and he's slowed down a little bit. I don't know what you'd get from him. He'll still have great value. He's still in goal, can't he? Maybe you keep him, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was one one who left over the next kind of 18 months. Um, Mateo Kovacic is a very good player. You'd obviously hang on to him. Mason Mount the same. Mount, you probably want to have as a regular starter or a long-term starter in your midfield. Maybe you go Kovacic in the short term and Mount as his backup. Mount has been played too much. He's become a very important player for Chelsea, it must be said, but he has played a bit too much. You don't have a sitting, holding midfielder. That's been a big problem. That's part of why they wanted Rice. All three of those, Mount, Kovacic and Kante, are best if played with a sitting holder someone who will do the defence of dog work while protecting the defence. Kante will do the defence of dog work, but he does it in an attacking sense. He presses high up the field, he wins the ball, he turns play over and he gets Chelsea moving in transition. It's what he's brilliant at. It's why he was always best with Nemanja Matic, because Matic would sit back, shield the defence and allow Kante the freedom to do that. It was the same when he played with Danny Drinkwater. Um they need to bring in someone who can play with, even if it's with Kante as a starter, if that's the starting pair. Perfect. You don't need creativity from your centre midfield because of what you've got in attack and because of those two fullbacks. If they could bring in Declan Rice, and I don't think they will now, based on what I read in The Atlantic this morning, I don't think they will bring in Declan Rice. I think with, with Lampard gone, that move probably dies. Now, I could be wrong. We'll wait and see. Hakim Ziyech then, as one of your attacking midfield options, super talented. There's no questions over him. Um, he's not world-class. He's not going to be world-class, but he's very, very good and will be, a, a, you know, a hub of creativity, if nothing more. Billy Gilmore is a promising young player, but that's what he is. Kaya Havertz is obviously one of the elephants in the room. Super talented, but... They've never figured out how to use him. That will be one of the big tasks given to Thomas Tuchel. Figure out how to use and unlock Kai Havertz. Their attacking group is, is second to none in the Premier League. Tammy Abraham, very, very talented. Now, he's at a contract in 2022. He's turned down a couple of contracts to this point. And they may have to sell him in the summer just to get some value for him. Because he'll be 24 by the time his contract expires in 2022 and they wouldn't be entitled to a fee for him we know Aston Villa are, are keen on and they had him before so maybe they'll have to move him on but they still have Pulisic who's a star Werner who's a star Oli Giroud who's been incredibly important to them now his contract's out in the summer they'll probably lose him on a free because he'd want to go somewhere and finish out his career as a starter and then Callum Hudson-Odoi who's p- potentially Potentially a big star. Had some injuries, been in and out of the team. Lampard didn't seem to fully trust him, which was you know a little bit strange. But we'll see what happens. I think Tuchel's the type who'll get the best out of him. But in Havertz, Pulisic, Werner, and Hudson Odoi, they've got four young star potential attackers. Ziyech is a good player. That's five attackers they can rely on long term not including Tammy who you never know Tuchel might love might convince him that he's a big part of the team and get him to stay you would probably want to add one more just for depth and balance if you're going to be playing four attackers but they're in a really good position from an attacking sense their needs are at the back goalkeeper centre back holding midfielder depth option at centre back and maybe a depth option up front other than that Chelsea are good to go Tuchel is inheriting one of the most talented squads in the league. It's also a squad with some ego that he will have to manage. He has been notoriously good at managing his squad. His players love him. You'll never hear a bad word from a player about Tuchel. The Dortmund players loved him. Many of them preferred him to Klopp. The PSG players loved him. At Mines, he was idolized by his players. His problem has always been dealing with those above him. That's the problem everybody's had at Chelsea. So maybe, maybe Marina and Peter Cech need to have a quick look at themselves and think, well, what can I do here? That's going to be key to whether this works or not. It's how the relationship is with Tuchel and in particular Marina. If that relationship is good, they'll have a lot of success together. Regardless of what people think of him, Thomas Tuchel is a tactical genius. He's an attacking genius. Genius Defensively He kind of cobbles things together But his teams going forward Are phenomenal And that Dortmund team Mectarian Kagawa Royce With Aubameyang up front Everything you'd want in a team Pace Incisiveness Creativity Great movement Remarkable finishing From three of them Um if they kept that together, they, they could have gone on to win a Bundesliga title. Unfortunately for him, Dortmund has run the way it's run. And when they get big offers for players in their late 20s, they'll take them. Except for Marco Royce, but that's, different, so that, that's a different situation. If you look at this Chelsea team, if he wants a, a Mkhitaryan, that could be Pulisic. If he wants an Aubameyang, maybe that's Werner hudson Adoy as his Royce, and maybe Havertz as his uh, Kagawa, if he wants to go with that four. Now, as I said, when they signed the players, that will require Werner and Havertz learning how to play as nines and ten, as a nine and a ten. Yes, they look like nine, a nine and a ten, but that's not what they've been in their careers. Werner has played largely either at a front two or left side of a front three. Most of Havertz's games came on the right-hand side. He can be a 10. It'll take time. It'll take patience. You're going to have to play him through some bad form. Just what it is. Same thing with Werner up front. But there's no question those two are super talented. With that front four, as a 9-10 and then Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi as the wingers, that could be spectacular. You factor in James and Chilwell bombing Ford. If he sorts out the base, the goalkeeper, the centre-backs and the midfielders, Chelsea will take flight. Right, we'll have more on that tomorrow as that progresses. As things stand, Tuchel hasn't actually been appointed yet. So we'll wait and see as to um, whether it's done by tomorrow or not. I do feel a little bit bad for Lampard, but he is the master of his own downfall here. And in truth, it was just a job too soon. I wonder where he'll go next. He will likely get another job based on the fact that his name is Frank Lampard. I think he'd be better off if he was to drop back down to the championship and start over. Whether he'd be willing to do that, I don't know. When you've had a taste of a top job it's probably, you know, you look at Brendan Rogers, for example. His job after Liverpool was Celtic. Obviously a step down, but Celtic are an enormous club in their own right. I don't think Lampard would go to Celtic if they were to sack Neil Lennon. But maybe if Steven Gerrard moved on from Rangers, which is a possibility, Frank might consider the Rangers' job. Maybe Newcastle, uh, looking at Premier League teams, it's hard to see what Premier League team would be attracted to, to Frank. But maybe, maybe Newcastle, if they were to move on from Bruce. I really don't think Fulham should consider it, uh, if they move on from Parker. Maybe Palace as a successor to Hodgson. You look at the championship, it's, it's what job will be appealing to him. What job is big enough to give him a chance to get back into the Premier League with them or without them, you know, if he does well enough, where is he going to draw attention? He won't get the Norwich or Swansea jobs. I don't think he'd want the Watford job. He wouldn't suit the Brentford job. You're really looking at someone outside the promotion spots. I mean, I, I don't see him going to New to Middlesbrough. I don't. I don't know if he'd take the Newcastle job and the same reason the Middlesbrough job, I don't know if he'd want to live that far north. Uh, Stoke and Blackburn are very happy with who they have. Maybe Bristol? Not to put a kibosh on the new Bristol manager, but maybe Bristol. Um, Barnsley, they've got some money behind them. If it had happened earlier, Cardiff would have been a decent bet, but it looks like Mick McCarthy's the new Cardiff manager. so. you know, Millwall, QPR. It's hard to find what the right job would be for Frank Lampard. Maybe he won't manage again. Maybe he'll go into punditry full time. He's quite good at punditry. Um, he's engaging. He's he speaks well. He doesn't offer great insight, but none of them do. So. Yeah, we'll have more on this tomorrow, I'd imagine. I'd imagine the Tuchel deal will, will happen quick. But uh, as things stand, that's what Rafa Honigstein is, is reporting, that it, it will be Thomas Tuchel. I think Matt Law has backed it up as well. Right, uh, we had some football over the weekend. There actually was some games that took place, so we should quickly jump into them. Uh, in the Premier League, Aston Villa beat Newcastle 2-0. Ollie Watkins and Bertrand Traore with the goals. Watkins' first goal in a while gets himself back on the score sheet. Um, And for Traore, he's in great form. I think that's his fourth goal in the last six Premier League games or something like that. He's in really good form now, having finally found himself into the team fully fit and firing. Ross Barkley has made a big impact again back fit. And him and Grealish really did torment that Newcastle team. For Newcastle, again, just the lack of ambition was was startling. Um, I don't know how much longer Steve Bruce has at this club. It's clear that he's run out of ideas if he ever had any. The football is turgid. The players don't seem inspired. It's a flat back five, you know, with with three in midfield, none of whom look comfortable in the roles he's assigned. Uh, and Wilson and the, the the shadow of Andy Carroll up front. Why Andy Carroll is getting games for Premier League team in January of 2021 I have no idea I, I really don't understand why Andy Carroll is in the team but in the team he is and putting in stinkers he, he is uh, good news for Newcastle though is St Maximum is back fit, so he came off the bench so that will be a help over the next few games but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Bruce is the next one to go um, now that Lampard has been, has been dismissed it wouldn't surprise me if Steve Bruce is the next out the door, because the fans aren't happy. The style of football is dreadful. They're only going in one direction. Um, and that is very much down. We've only had two managers dismissed this season. So that's, you know, it's quite rare to get to the halfway point of the season. Only have two gone. Um, Bruce, I think Bruce and Scott Parker are the two that I look at and think you're the most likely ones to go. Uh, Newcastle are 16th They've dropped below Burnley now Four defeats on the bounce They've played a game extra than Burnley as well Which doesn't doesn't work well for them Coming up they've got Leeds at home uh, Tomorrow, Tuesday Then they've got Everton away Palace at home Southampton at home Chelsea away Manchester United away And Wolves at home so difficult run of games. None you'd really count as gimmies. One or two that they will have some confidence in winning. I think Leeds and Palace are games that they should be looking to win at least. Uh, Southampton, that's you know that should be a point. Wolves maybe a point. They took eight eight points from the next. I mean eight from seven is not great, but look, it would be better than what we've seen over the last few games. I, I think a change is needed. I really do. I just don't see that Steve Bruce is the manager to turn things around there. For Villa, obviously, they continue onwards and upwards. They are up into ninth, uh, eighth position in the Premier League with two games in hand on West Ham who are above them. Those games in hand are Newcastle and Everton. So if they were to win both of those games, they'd actually find themselves in the top four. A win in a draw would see them jump into fifth. Uh, that's a very, very good season so far for Aston Villa. Very, very good season. Up next for them, they're away to Burnley on Wednesday night. Then they've got Southampton away, West Ham at home, Arsenal at home, Brighton away, Leicester at home, and Leeds away. So again, like with Newcastle, it's a difficult enough run of games, but there are games there they will expect to win. And in the form that they're in, they'll probably pick up a couple of extra points that you might not necessarily expect them to pick up. Like for example, that Leicester at home game. Leicester are top four, but Villa on a points per game tally are pushing top four as well. So, you know, they they'll see themselves as as equals. They've certainly got the talent, they've got the belief in themselves. Dean Smith has them playing good football. That's a game to look out for on the twenty first of February. Um the obviously the FA Cup, the the fourth round took place. Uh, Wolves knocked out Chorley on the Friday night, one nil. Uh, fairly scrappy game, but you know, good for Wolves to get through. Great for Chorley to get that far, to not get embarrassed at any point, and they can keep their heads held high. And hopefully, they got you know a decent chunk of money uh, for their cup run. Southampton beat holders Arsenal one 0 Very surprised by Arsenal's decision to rotate so heavily. Defending cup holders in good form. Why not go with? the strongest possible 11 and keep that thing rolling very very difficult A uh, disappointing decision disappointing performance by arsenal brighton beat blackpool 2-1 in the uh, the seaside derby um you would have expected them to win and they did wasn't pretty but they got themselves the victory bristol beat Millwall 3-0 barnsley beat norwich 1-0 bit of a surprise there obviously barnsley mid-table in the The Championship have turned things around since changing manager. But Norwich are going very, very well at the top of the Championship. Uh, Big win for Sheffield United. uh, 2-1 over Plymouth Argyle. Of course they should be beating Plymouth. But given the season they're having, a cup run is exactly what they need just to distract themselves. West Ham, Wallop, Doncaster 4-0. Swansea destroyed Nottingham Forest 5-1. Swansea are looking... Really, really good at the moment. They have thrown themselves right into the playoff or the promotion mix in the championship. They currently sit second. And obviously now progressing in the FA Cup, doing a, a just a, a fantastic job there, the, the management team. Um, Man City, 3-1 winners over Cheltenham. A little bit of an early scare, but, you know, quality told in the end. Lampard left Chelsea on a win, uh, 3-1 over Luton Town. Um, Tammy Abraham with the hat-trick. Burnley with a 3-0 win over Fulham. You see, this is Dyche letting the, the reins off a little bit in the cup. Now, Scott Parker, you know, what he was thinking when he set that team up the way he did and brought in the likes of Hector and Reem, who are the championship players. They just are. There's a lot of championship players in that team that played um, at the weekend. Now, it's not like Burnley were at full strength either. They were were heavily rotated. Bardsley came in, Long came in, Peters came in, Dale Stevens and Jack Cork started in midfield and they swapped the front two round as well and brought in Bailey Peacock, Farrell and goals. So heavily rotated uh, Burnley three, heavily rotated Fulham nil. Uh Leicester beat Brentford three one, cracker of a game, really enjoyed it. Chang is under Yuri Thielemans and James Madison with the goals. I think Leicester are, are taking this competition really seriously. They went with a very strong team. Ricardo Pereira came back in, got a first start. Soyuncu got a start. Yuri um, Tielemans started. Madison and Barnes started. Cheng Under came in on the right wing. Very, very strong team for Leicester. I, I think Brendan is going to take this competition seriously. I think he wants a first major honour in English football. Uh, Liverpool th- uh, Liverpool three. Liverpool lost 3-2 to Manchester United But there are promising signs from the game Liverpool did put in a much better performance Than they have in recent week And actually managed to score two goals Which was nice uh, United obviously got three Mason Greenwood with a great finish After a beautiful pass from Marcus Rashford Then Rashford himself made it uh, 2-1 at the time Salah had put Liverpool up, 1-0 up, Greenwood scored, then Rashford scored, really, really good finish. Salah made it 2-0, and then a little bit of controversy with Bruno Fernandes as winner uh, from a free kick on the edge of the area for something that wasn't a free kick. Uh, no foul was committed, but look, United were arguably the better team over the ninety minutes. I don't really have a problem with the result, I felt like United deserved it, but... Uh, you always do feel a little bit salty when, you know, you lose to a free kick from something that wasn't a free kick. It's a bit of an injustice, but um, I'm happy enough for Liverpool to be out. It's less games. I love the FA Cup, and I, I would love if they were in a position to take it more seriously, but they don't have the squad is the simple truth of it. Uh, Reese James had, uh, Reese James, Reese Reese Nelson, Reece Nelson. I, I don't know his name, Reece Williams had his poorest game, I would say, in a Liverpool shirt. Um, at fault for one of the goals, but not his fault. Not his fault that he's he's had a poor game. He's 19, he was playing in the in the conference last year. He shouldn't be playing for Liverpool's first team. He's playing a lot for Liverpool's first team. And um, it is what it is. Thiago Alcantara, five starts for Liverpool, hasn't won yet. It doesn't really make a difference. It, it doesn't matter, it's not his fault. Um, he's been played out of position at the moment because fit players. They need to address the centre-back situation. They have six days left, and when all the local journalists are starting to turn a little bit on the owners in regards to this, something needs to happen. Now, it does look like Liverpool have had some good news in the transfer market. Uh, Cade Gordon, who is uh, by all accounts a superstar in the making, 16 years old from the Derby County Academy, which has been one of the best academies over the last couple of years, By all accounts, this is by far the most talented kid to come through that academy. And it looks like Liverpool have him uh, almost signed. I think it's one million rising to three million. It's Derby's financial situation is causing this. But, you know, you see the success that Harvey Elliott's having at Blackburn on loan from Liverpool and what Liverpool have in him. I think this is probably repeating the trick there uh, from what I've heard from people that have seen him play and, and know him. Uh, super, super talented, really good kid, wants to be great, uh, driven to be great. And um, yeah, it looks like Liverpool have stolen the march. United were uh, favourites to get him, uh, especially with Rooney kind of seemingly pushing him in that direction. But it looks like Liverpool are going to get that deal over the line. And speaking of deals that have gone over the line, it looks like Arsenal are going to get Martin Odegaard in on loan, uh, a player I love. I think he's a tremendous footballer who will add creativity to the team. It looks like it's only a loan with no option to buy, and it looks like the plan is to get him in, use him where they plan to use Buendia, and then add Buendia in the summer. I'm not sure Eddie Buendia is a better footballer. I think, In fact, I don't think he is a better footballer. I think Odegaard is a better footballer, and he's younger. Uh, but Odegaard will be great there. If they go with Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, and Saka behind Aubameyang, I think that could be a lot of fun attack. Manchester United will allow... Uh, Jesse Lingard to leave on loan during the window that's garbage I need content folks Um, Real Madrid could turn their attention to Borussia Dortmund's 20 year old Norwegian striker Erling Braut Haaland who is wanted by Chelsea and Manchester United after France Ford, Kylian Mbappe said he's very happy at PSG he's so happy he won't sign a new contract that's how happy he is um, I, look, and um, by all accounts, Hallen's not leaving to go anywhere this summer. It doesn't matter who makes the offer, what the offer is. They're not going to sell him. Now, Rail have no money anyway, so who? Why they're turning their what attention are they turning, like their hopes and dreams, their IOUs. I don't know. Uh, Manchester United, Manchester City's Spanish defender Eric Garcia and Liverpool's Dutch midfielder Ginny Wijnaldum are both at a contract at the end of the season, remain top targets for Ronald Koeman, who has admitted the club are in no position to sign players this month. Yes, because they, like Real, are absolutely stone broke. Burnley are interested in Nottingham Forest captain Joe Worrell, but may have to wait till the summer to make a bid for him. They tried to buy him in the summer. And... and, um, I think insulted, insulted Nottingham Forest with an offer is the best way to describe what they did. I think Forest were quite open that the you know the, the price on them was ten million, but they were willing to negotiate, and uh, Burnley offered four. Yeah, that's a good starting point when you're told the pro- not you know when someone says to you, look this this is this is ten pounds, you might think you know what a chance for me I'm going with eight, maybe they'll give it to me for eight. You don't go in with four be doing Burnley um West Brom are this is great West Brom talks with Crystal Palace over a deal to sign Christian Benteke they tried to sign Andy Carroll and Newcastle wouldn't let him leave And now they're trying to sign Benteke if Palace have any sense they will drive him to the Midlands and be rid of him Former Leicester City striker Ahmed Musa will train with the Baggies this week in a bid to earn a permanent contract. He is a free agent after leaving Saudi Arabian side Al-Nasir in October. He was so talented back in the day when he was at CSKA Moscow. I thought he'd do well at Leicester. I thought his, his style should have su- uh, suited the Premier League. But nobody they bought at that point actually worked out all that well for them except for Ndidi. Uh, they had that really weird summer where they signed like Slaveni and all those players, and none of them worked out. Um, yeah, look, West Brom need all the help they can get, so best of luck to him. Uh, Crystal Palace are interested in Leicester's Damari Gray. He is available uh, on a free free transfer in the summer, but the Foxes are willing to sell him right now for about one point eight to two million. He'd be a, he'd be a clever signing for Palace. He's a talented player who's just never fully figured out what it is he wants to be as a player does he want to be a winger does he want to be a left winger because he's left-footed and the game is a little bit easier for him or does he want to be a right winger who cuts in field and is a creator i think he's best as a left-footed left winger stick him out there let him beat people and whip crosses in the problem is Eberici easy is at his best on that left side now whether the palace change formation play easy as more of a number eight and play gray as a left winger and a four three three who knows but um, he needs away from he needs away from Leicester. It, it's never really worked fully for him there. Um, Newcastle are set to confirm the appointment of Graham Jones as a coach to help Steve Bruce, who has endorsed the appointment. This is a weird story, a very very weird story. So Graham Jones was the Luton manager who didn't do particularly well at Luton. Uh, Won only 12 of his 41 games in charge in between, I think, Nathan Jones left to go to Stoke and then came back. Um, It's a a weird one. I'm not really sure as to why Newcastle have made this decision. Uh, To my knowledge, I think he was working with Bournemouth as a first team coach um, and he's decided to move to Newcastle. He's from Newcastle, which is obviously his big uh, attraction to, 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 the change. But why, like are Newcastle looking at him as a potential replacement for Steve Bruce? Because if so, the fans need to riot. you need to be out in your numbers. You cannot accept that. He's one job in his managerial career. At Luton in the Championship, and he flopped drastically. Um, they stayed up in spite of him. Um, Turkey Ford Cenk Tucson's future at Everton is in doubt. Uh, his future at Everton has been in doubt for years. he, he was sent on loan. Of course, his future is in doubt. Scottish midfielder Billy Gilmore could yet leave Chelsea on loan this summer or this this month, despite starting in the uh, cup win over. Luton, according to manager Frank Lampard, ex-manager Frank Lampard, as he is now, um, Billy Gilmore, is super talented. He needs games. He probably should be sent on loan. Uh, Emilio Brutogranio, who is a director at Real Madrid, says Luka Modric will sign a new contract at the club. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp has asked the club not to miss the opportunity to sign David Alaba when he becomes a free agent in the summer. Um I, I would love David Alaba at Liverpool. I think he's I think he's one of the best players in the world. Um Belgian forward Jeremy Doku has who has been linked with Liverpool says he chose to move to Rennes in the summer as an intermediate step before joining a big club. Liverpool have been tracking him for about 3 years now. Uh he is seen as the long-term successor to Sadio Mane. So if and when he does move on from Ren, I I think Liverpool will very much be in the mix for him. Uh, I mentioned that story earlier about Kate Gordon. It looks like Liverpool are going to beat him, uh, beat United and Spurs to his signing. Um, Donny van de Beek is willing to remain patient at Old Trafford, despite being given limited opportunities to impress. But he's going to have to. He signed a five-year contract. He's kind of snookered himself. And... This is brilliant. Fenerbahce have asked supporters to raise funds following the signing of Mesut Özil. Has another club given them a contract they can't afford, that wouldn't be very good. Um one of the little bit of news I saw earlier is that uh Liverpool have touched base with Socrates from of Arsenal who's been released and is expected to join Olympiacos. Um that's There's no truth to that, it's nonsense. Uh, Klopp literally rang him just to check in. He was his manager at Dortmund, he rang him to check in. That's what I've heard from two separate people who uh, have good contacts at Liverpool. So, uh, no truth to Liverpool moving for Socrates, as far as I'm aware, but you never know. You never know. He's a centre-back, Liverpool could do at one but uh, yeah, that's that's what I've heard on that. Anyway, uh, that's it. That is the show for today. Um, Lampard obviously dominated the show, so apologies if you don't like Chelsea. But it, it needed to be talked about as the biggest story going today. Um, more tomorrow. All going well if Tuchel is in charge. And um, you know, there's still there's still some football on tonight. There's football all week, which is kind of cool. Tonight we get Wickham against Spurs and Bor- uh, sorry, Wickham against Spurs. Tomorrow night we get Bournemouth against Crawley in the FA Cup. And in the Premier League, it's Newcastle, Leeds, Palace, West Ham, Southampton Arsenal and West Brom City. So we'll preview those games tomorrow. But Wickham Spurs tonight, for your viewing pleasure, uh, there is football on every night until Thursday. So you cannot complain. Uh, as things stand Right, that's it Thank you to Guy Drinkle Thank you to you for listening Thank you to Fox Hunt for the music We will see you tomorrow Take care of yourselves and goodbye Podcast Network.